Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right. Before, so we got hockey. Before, before okay. we move along, I just got to say, <laughs> I fucking hate this beer. <laughs> <laughs> Don Sweeney episode. Oh, oh, all right. Throwing it back. I like it. I'm Chris Gear here with uh, Cam Hasbrook and Drew Johnson, and we have a special guest today. It is Connor Ryan from the Boston Sports Journal. How you doing, Connor? Doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, boys. What are we drinking? I guess I'll lead us off this week. I uh, had a nice. Mm. Oh, it's good. But waiting to try that. Sorry, I had to really dig into it right away. Uh, <laughs> went out for a nice pre-pod skate earlier. I uh, broke out the street hockey stuff for the first time in like a couple months. Uh, felt great, but this place I went to is right across the street from Austin Street Brewery. So I picked up a. Uh, it's called the Glitter and Grit. Uh, it's like a. It's a sour uh, blood orange shower. They said it's like a uh, a margarita, a blood orange margarita with a salted rim. And I was like, that sounds. I wanted something light, you know. I finish off the summer with a bang. So I uh, went for it, and it's uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I guess I should should I rate it on our new our new scale? Yeah, yeah our new yeah. scale. All right, so I guess we should kind of explain this to Connor because this is just totally ridiculous. So one time, I think it was me. I brought a Sam seventy six on here. Not sure if you've ever had one before, but on the side of the bottle it says a drinkable beer you can taste. Which I pointed out was the most vague description of every yes, beer. Yes, absolutely. Time. So now we rate every beer on a two-point scale: drinkability and taste. So drinkability. Well, it's got to be out of thirty-seven, though. It's the Bergeron scale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's a it's a two-prong scale, but each is out of thirty-seven. So I'm gonna give this a solid. I'm gonna give it a solid twenty-seven in drinkability. It's a sour, so you don't normally want to be like slugging them, but it is like it's not overly sour, so it's not punching you. Uh, as far as taste, I'm going to give it a 33. That's a really good beer right there. I'm a big fan. <laughs> also, to clarify, the taste scale is not whether it tastes good or not. It's, it's just, just how much you can taste, taste it. it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you can really taste it. You can really taste it. So a solid, uh, solid. This is only our second time doing this, but a solid performance from the Austin Street Brewery uh, from Glitter and Grit. We have a new leader in the scale. Very nice. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll go. I got a, <laughs> a, a white pumpkin imperial pumpkin ale brewed with white wheat, native pumpkins, and cinnamon. Native pumpkins, okay? I can't, I haven't been able to open this can. I've been trying for the past three minutes, so I'm using my <laughs> car keys. Be, stay tuned for the next hour of Drew trying to open a can. <sighs> okay, I, I haven't. I haven't. I don't even know what the brewery is. This is Drew's favorite. You part really of did your research. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't look at the can before. <laughs> Um, it is worth the can's worth five cents in Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii. Okay, <laughs> this is the worst podcast. Oh, okay. 
All right, taste is like a 37 out of 37, definitely. You can definitely taste that. Drinkability, <laughs> I'm going to give it a 23 out of 37, because that was... There's, that's some harsh pumpkin right there. It's like heavy on the pumpkin. It still got up to a 23? And it's sweet. Well, yeah, but that's like, what, like one-third almost? Of 37? Or two-thirds, two-thirds, sorry. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a C. I'll give it a C. There you go. All right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Math. Not my strong suit. All right, Connor, what you got there? I got the uh, going along with the hat as I'm working, you know, chipping very, very away. Good. As I'm chipping away at my sponsorship deal with Treehouse, I got the Super <laughs> Treat uh, Double IPA. Uh, just went uh, last week to pick up a whole new shipment. So actually, have not had the Super Treat before. I just know it's one of their many Double IPAs. So shocking, it's good as a Treehouse beer. <laughs> so um, Love let's see. That. Yeah. Um, Taste. I'll give it a uh, give it a thirty-two in honor of this episode. Nice. nice. You can't go wrong. I think drinkability. I'll give it a, a thirty-one. It's not like this. I feel like Treehouse when they got like the really good ones, like Very Green or one of those double IPAs. They go. It's like no matter how much like alcohol they got loaded into it, it's still like a crisp beer. This one's got a little bit of a bite to it, a little bitter. So I'll give it a thirty-two, but still can't go wrong. Tasteful. Right on. Tasteful. I like it. I've got myself a uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Uh, it is established in Milwaukee, 1844. Well, that's an uh, old beer right a, there. A winner of some kind of award, uh, I assume. Oh, yeah. It's very drinkable. I'm going to give it a 36. Wait, wait. Just to clarify, did you also, <laughs> did you also drink a PBR and rate it on the scale last <laughs> Absolutely. week? Absolutely. Really <laughs> excited to rate rating, it. though. You didn't give it a 36. <laughs> Very excited to how how a week plays into uh, how how a beer tastes and uh, drinkables. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So drinkability, we're going we're going 36. Um, taste gonna stick in the like 21 range. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely like, dependable. That's kind of the point of PBR, right? It's you can just, taste uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> All right. Be- so before, we got hockey. Bef- before okay. we move along, I just gotta say, I fucking hate this beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, Drew. Uh, I know. I, I don't like the don't pumpkin spice kind of stuff, but I had to try it as we're moving into October soon, and uh, or the fall. And uh, yeah, yeah, uh, this is gonna be reluctant, but mm-hmm. yeah, you're taking a hit to make the play, Drew. Uh, people got to yeah, you know, that just grit. just had to inform the guests. You know, I had to try it first. And don't all right, get so it. Uh, anybody been paying attention to the Stanley Cup? Because I have not had time. <laughs> uh, yeah, a bit. I kind of like game one. I like it. Definitely snuck up on me. I was just at work, and then I would like. Hopped on the, you know, logged on, so to say, and I looked up and I saw that there was a game, and I was like, oh shit, this game's in a couple hours. Like, definitely felt like it just really snuck up this year, but um, I don't know. It was an interesting one. I'm, I'm definitely interested to see Connor's take if you watch it. I don't know if uh, I don't want to throw you on the spot if you, uh, if you haven't, but. Yeah, no, I, I watched some of it. I, I think, you know, if you had to sum up, like, just how bad shit this whole year was, mm-hmm. you know, you could look back and be like, all right, well. It's game one of the cup final and, you know, going into, you know, the end of September for a season that started in September 
and then like the goal scorers for uh, the Dallas Stars in the Cup final were Joel Hanley, like Jamie Alexiak, and then Yoel Kiviranta, who like only played I think eleven games I think up the NHL level, and then all of a sudden he's just going completely ape shit during the playoffs. Which, I mean, I wrote something uh, last week just about you know what teams can maybe learn from the Stars, and it's just like you know the stuff you'd expect, like you know they got a lot of skill, young players are stepping up, but you know half this is also just you know, giving up the fact that it's just a crapshoot when you get to this point. Like, the Blues completely shit the bed this year, and everything went their way last year. Like, again, you want to put your team in the best position to succeed, but you just look at the way this Dallas Stars team is rolling. This team, like, was always always good defensively, but you were worried how much they were going to score, and all of a sudden they break through in the postseason. Like, it just shows you more and more that, just, you know, shit happens and stuff falls one team's way during these playoffs. And it's once you punch a ticket to the playoffs, that's kind of the, the biggest step, right? And then you just see where these kind of pieces fall. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was reading a uh, 538 article this week about how the Stars are, I don't know if it was the first team, but could potentially become the first team to win a Stanley Cup with a negative goal differential, which is just, <laughs> I mean, that's the perfect, I mean, again, it's, that's 2020 in a nutshell right there. It's like, even since the playoffs, it's, it's not like they've played consistently well, but they've they've won the big games, as the, the Tuka haters like to say. So, um, I mean, it's just crazy to think about. And it is interesting, Connor, because they do have a pretty talented team. Like, they've got the, the All-Stars with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, and uh, they've got the young kids you mentioned, like, you know, Hintz and Heiskanen, who are uh, two really promising young guys. Um, and then Not I guess Kudobin has really Gurionov stepped up. But, and, uh, yeah, and among others and stuff. I'm just saying, like, it's it's been a crapshoot for sure, but that's, I mean, Chris, I'm sure can jump on here with he's got a saying that he likes to roll with about hockey, and I think it's only amplified in the playoffs, and it's definitely Hockey's showing right weird. now. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the little, the little bit I saw of game one, Dallas just seemed in full control. Part of it was because they did have two power plays during that time. But <laughs> even on a uh, five on five, it seemed they just rolled with the uh, the momentum that created, and they seemed to have control. Uh, and clearly, by winning, they did. <laughs> that's that's my analysis. Some some fine analysis. That's almost as good as your beer analysis, actually. <laughs> Thank good. you. Yeah. I think my favorite thing to to watch uh, has been the Hudobin stuff. Mm. Uh, I'm yeah. mentioning him, Cam. Like it's i i think we all have that kind of connection with him because he was always just like such a fun dude when he played for the bruins and he's for he's sure yeah two different stints with them and uh I, he he hasn't always been a great nhl goaltender but he's always been a at least a solid backup and i have like an extra little connection with him because he played for the san diego gulls for a season and that was pretty cool to just like have a former bruins goaltender just like be the number one goaltender on your minor league team in your town yeah you guys uh, hung out a bunch right you guys are good yeah friends. yeah we're, we're yeah. boys so it's really uh, uh in a normal year he you're brad me, boys yeah he, he would have given me tickets to the uh to the games but you know sadly pandemic so i i can't be there but uh, <laughs> tough tough balance. yeah but i mean like i'm i'm excited that the the hockey world gets to see how just kind of cool of a guy he is and how really good of a teammate he is Oh, yeah. I mean, like, he's was such a character when he was here. And I wasn't on the beat long enough to get the full, like, Adobe experience of some of the stories you would get from people who are covering him. But everything you see in terms of the videos, it seems like it's just how he is as a person. Like, you always have, you know, I think mean, we talk to goalies, you always, they always have, all of them have very wide-ranging personalities, right? It's a shocker there. But, you know, for a guy like him, 
in the limited time, you know, I was able to cover him. At least he was like the most affable, like hilarious dude who like didn't take himself too seriously, but just as a guy that like you, you want in the locker room. And I think after the Bruins signed Halak, I think it's maybe the first week of training camp in 2018, and Cassidy was talking about kind of just comparing Halak and how he's very much a you know, good teammate, but just very different. He's very dialed in and kind of focused. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's different than when Dobie was here, who, you know, he'd go in the kitchen and start fucking swearing all the time. He's like, a lot <laughs> different from him. Like, he was crazy. And he would say, like, stuff we don't know what he was even saying. Like, so it's two different guys, like, two guys they value quite a bit, but just shows you, especially on a team like that with Dallas that has a lot of veterans, but, you know, uh, you had a guy like Hudobin as a backup role there, and how that can kind of impact a team. And, again, he's run with it. I mean, you'd think you'd be worried this team was dead in the water when Ben Bishop's out of commission. And, I mean, they rallied around him. Like, give him credit. He's playing great. But, as you said, you know, these veteran guys are stepping up. And then, I mean, Hayskinen has been absurd these playoffs. Like, I think, you know, everyone talks about, uh, you know, Kill McCarr and Hughes and all those guys, and deservedly so. But Hayskinen thinks right up there for – I mean, I think he's up to like twenty-three points in this yeah. playoff. Like he's he's a he's a beast. So, I mean that that team's just, everything's rolling their way now. Yeah, I have a friend who's like a diehard Stars fan, and just probably right through the year he was like, "Oh, dude, this high skating kid. Like, I think he might be the real deal." And at the time, we were like, "Yeah, like you know, small sample size, of course. Like you don't want to overjudge on that." But so far, he's he's held together and. I, I'm telling you, like I said, with, with the talent they already have, I'd be pretty excited if I were a Dallas Stars fan, regardless of how this series, you know, obviously they're far from a perfect hockey team right now, but they're making it work, and to really think that they have another level that they can step up to in the next couple seasons, I'd be pretty excited if I were a Stars fan. Uh, something else that my buddy pointed out to me earlier with, obviously, it's been awesome for me to watch Kudobin too, but then uh, it would have been kind of cool seeing a Ben Bishop versus Andre Vasilevsky Stanley Cup final. That would have been, you know, I'm sure NBC would have kicked our asses with it in every graphic, you know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that would have been kind of cool seeing the old teammates face off and stuff. Oh, yeah, no. I mean... Th- they have to find some storyline because unless uh, Nikita Kucherov gets hit in the mouth again and they do a whole CSI crime scene investigation every time he gets like <laughs> somewhat hurt, then I mean, holy shit! I mean, even in that, that Bruins series, it's like he goes out for uh, he goes out for you know gets injured, goes out for you know the, the intermission, and all of a sudden you can't like they're the entire time they're just talking about like is he going to be okay? Meanwhile, like Charlie McAvoy gets cracked into the boards. And like it's like oh I'll be back. Yeah, it's like thankfully, murder there, thankfully yeah. He, yeah, like thankfully he did come back. But it's like holy shit, guys, he's not dead. Like shit, he skated <laughs> off. Like Tampa has a lot of other really good guys. Talk about Braden Point. Braden Point's been like their best yeah. player. Like talk about him. Jesus, guys. Yeah, that's uh, that's what happens when you have a season like he had, though. I guess so. <laughs> you get the the CSI crime scene privileges. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got some potential brew and stuff to talk about there's been some weird rumors yeah, coming out actually there's a somewhat of a transition there because we got a question well we got three questions on <coughs> okay i was gonna so say this Chris, one that would kind of help us coming. transition there is uh nick lanciani hey, devoted, I know him. devoted listener and guest two-time guest of the podcast he asked if you could add one player from the 2020 stanley cup final to the bruins who would it be <laughs> Jesus. Uh, wow. There's a lot of uh, pretty good options there. You can't really go wrong with whoever you want to say. I mean, 
is is Haskin in a left shot D? Because I think they would really love I'm, to have a left shot D. I believe D he is D. a left shot. Yeah. 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 I mean, if he's a left shot D, then I'll go with him because I think that's a guy you decoy set for another ten years. But I mean, shit, man, you could. I'm only saying that because the the Bruins have established guys down the middle. But still, if you give offering up Brayden Point, who's 24, right? 24, I think he is old. And I think you can't go wrong there, but, but, oh, you know, also, yeah, Nikita Kucherov's a wing, and they need wing really bad. Yeah, there's a lot of holes the Bruins can actually <laughs> use with these guys. Well, to be fair, these are teams in the Stanley Cup Finals, so. Yeah. <laughs> they have, they yeah. Usually have Two Cup Final teams, goals, very yeah. talented. Um, you know, screw it. I'll go with Haskinen. You know, I'll, I'll go with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look to the future while contending now. That'll, that'll be my that'll I'm be not going to lie. Like, I read this question coming on from Twitter earlier, and – I was like, all right, we're going to get the Braden Points, we're going to get the Kucherovs, we're going to get the Tyler Sagan, because, you know, obviously coming back to Boston. And I was like, I'm going to come in, like, way out of left field and drop in Heiskanen, and Connor comes and blows up my spot here. So <laughs> I'm going to just jump on the wagon there, I guess, and sound really unoriginal and slide it onto one of these two fine gentlemen. Or you can just blast me by being like, yeah, uh, Connor Ryan turns down Nikita Kucherov on Bruins' team. Just <laughs> oh, like- my God, could you imagine, like... A Bruins Twitter, if this like completely theoretical expansion draft where the Bruins were rigged to pick a team from the Stanley Cup final, dude, the Bruins the and Bruins don't like those Russian guys though. So they probably want you to grab Doby and get rid of Rass though too. It'd be like he's done. He's never playing in a Bruins uniform again. <laughs> no, they would draft like they would take Blake Coleman after not getting yeah. the trade deadline. So like, we're sorry, we'll take this guy back. <laughs> it was sorry, we took Nick Ritchie. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do the, the classic Bruins thing and classic Bruins fan thing, and I'm going to take the really short-sighted, uh, small sample size, recency bias thing, and I'm taking Yoel Kibiranta. Uh, give me that hat trick. Give me the roof job he just did. Like, Looks great. He's 24 years old, a little older than I thought he was for, for a prospect, but he plays right wing. Uh, could be great on that second Yo, line. Two right wing, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Drew's like, I don't even know what teams are playing. <laughs> oh, I'm looking up. I'm looking up the players right now. I, I, I was the first to see the question. I read the question. I don't have an answer. You know what? I'm gonna go with uh, with. Honestly, I'm just trying to find the most obscure player on each team. This is a <laughs> joke, but it's not working. Jamel Smith, he played three games for Tampa this season with one point. Okay, he also okay. played for the Bruins last year. I know, I know. <laughs> so the, the, I was saying, if, oh, if you wanted to go with, uh, if you wanted to go with like the traditional like old timey Bruins take, you would have said Patrick Maroon, so you could just beat the shit out of guys and then get a major penalty, like he did in game yeah. one. So, yeah. <laughs> or uh, go take Blake Coleman, like the guy who killed you. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good question, Lancey. That's a good one. For once. For once, yeah, shocking. <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to go with Jamel Smith. <laughs> you want to – wanna, are we teeing up the next question? Are we going question time here, or are we going to go back to just other Bruins stuff? I don't know how you want to take this. I, I don't know. Chris is host. Let's, let's just go to Bruins stuff. Uh, hey, Connor. Uh, how do you feel about Oliver Ekman Larson and those weird trade rumors? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was like you know we had a few couple of weeks of just dead time, and all of a sudden like it just drops like Ekman Larson, and then I think uh, 
said uh, Allen from USA Today said like the brusque was being dangled out there and like Carolina wanted him. It's like all that yeah. dropped within like a, like a ninety minute span. I was um, Ekman Lawson. Uh, not for that contract, I wouldn't want him. Uh, when you, I mean, like listen, if the Bruins, you know, if Tory Krug walks this offseason, which I think is going to happen, um, I you know, you I don't think you can go into next year. If you are hoping to make another run at it, I don't think you can jump into next year rolling out. You know, if Char is back, you know he. I don't think he's a top pairing guy anymore. But you can't go into next year with like, all right, well, this is going to be the year that Vakanin and Zaboral is going to take like a, a, a higher role like that. Like, if you're going into a rebuild, then yeah, fine, you'll you'll deal with those kind of road bumps of giving a guy like you know those two guys 18, 20 minutes a night. I can't see how you'd be comfortable doing that now going into it, or John Moore who. Great guy in the room, but I don't want to have John Moore as the 18 plus minute night guy. Like, it hasn't shown me anything over the first two years here. Um, so you have to do something there, but trading for Ekman Lawson, I don't know if that's the the best route you should take because, I mean, you know, he's 29, st- he's still a good player. Like, he'd be a, you put him next to, to McAvoy, you put him next to Kahlo, any of those roles, he'd be good, especially in like the short term. But, dude, if you're paying like eight, Eight and a eight and a quarter to a guy like that through what like twenty twenty seven. I mean, you look at you factor in, you know, contending now, but also looking to the future and wanting how he maybe regresses the next couple of years. And you also have to factor in that you know the salary cap's flat this year. There's no guarantee that we're gonna it's gonna jump up again in like two three years. You know, yeah. like they they've only said it's gonna jump up when the revenue hits what it was before all this went to shit, and the NHL was doing pretty well for itself right right ahead of that. Like, they were expecting the cap yeah. to jump to, like, 88, I think was the high point, so they were rolling. Seattle was coming in. They were going to get even more. They were having a TV deal coming through the next few years. Now, I mean, we could be looking at, you know, three years down the road, maybe it jumps up to, like, 84. Like, that's how stagnant the growth could be if it's a really slow return for the NHL, which people, I think, are expecting because of how heavy the gate revenue is for the league, so... I think bringing on a guy like Ekman Larson, yeah, he's a good player, but I think for the cost, one, just to get him, and then two, taking on that contract, even if maybe they eat up some of the money, I think the Bruins would be better suited to maybe seeing who else is out there on the trade market or even free agency, even though, you know, I'm hesitant to, you know, dive deep into this free agent market because I think it's super top heavy, and then it's a bunch of guys who I think are, as it is every offseason, going to get overpaid quite a bit. Yeah, yeah I, think- I agree with Pretty much everything you just said. So, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I'll, in, I'll let I'll let Cam handle it. Just in the vein of what Chris said earlier, I think like just being like, oh, you know, we lost in whatever the second round this year. We got to trade for Ekman Larson, would which be your classic overreaction to like, yes, the team has some holes and some issues, but like, the, you know, this is still a team that made a Stanley Cup final last year. This is still a team that has the majority of its core intact. Yeah, you have an aging Chara. And, and even an aging core with guys like Bergeron, who've been here a while, but are still very, very productive. You don't need to trade for a you know number one left shot D guy right away or something. Like you can make a smart, smaller move that's not going to screw you long term, and and still contend next year and in the years to come with what you have. I also agree. I think I definitely am all for giving guys like Vakaninen uh, a shot, but. I definitely you don't want to be leaning on them either. Like, like you said, this is still a team that can t- can contend. I don't know. Can can oh my god, can contend right now. Uh, and Cam's you know, you <laughs> yeah, I know this half of beer is killing me. 
but yeah, you don't want to you know you don't want to throw them kind of right into the fire and and force them and yourself to be in a position where they have to perform or you're screwed uh, and maybe even screw up their development along the way when you have other options. So I just. RT what you said, pretty much. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing when you look at Zaboral and Vakanine, and it's like, it's been kind of the Bruins' game plan the last couple of off-seasons is, you know, you got this good core in place. Let's hope these young guys, you know, break through and are contributing. And it's, you know, I don't know if they were expecting Gallic Bjork going into this season where he's coming off two back-to-back shoulder surgeries, like that he was going to be a, a 20-goal, you know, 45-point guy. I don't know if that's realistic for a guy coming off those injuries. And it's like, if you're going to this offseason trying to be aggressive and trying to get one more run at it, why not, you know, put in that effort to get, you know, an impact, surefire, you know, like top six guy, a guy that you can slot in and be like, all right, we're, it's not like Kasha where, like, the numbers, underlying numbers look great. Like, maybe he can be a top six mm-hmm. guy. But if you get, you know, let's just spitball, like, Kyle Palmieri. We'll just say, like, him. You yep. put him in the top six, you don't have to worry about it. You're all set in the top six. Mm-hmm. And if Kasha is bumped down and he's – breaks through and he's a 25 goal scorer on your third line that's great you know it's like if mm-hmm. if Anders Brook breaks our next year that's great Jackson Nika all these guys like it's less pressure on those guys and if they are really getting easier matchups or you know they're allowed to succeed more where the pressure's not really on them that just helps your team out as a whole so I think from the defensive side of things again yeah if you know Zaboral who I think you know people talk about Zaboral and it's you know the, you bring up 2015 draft, and he's obviously had a, a slower development, you know, timeline compared to guys. But it seemed like before, uh, you know, the season was paused down in Providence, like Jay Leach and those guys were raving about his play. So I'm not saying he's gonna, you know, crack the roster next year, but he might even be a guy who you keep tabs on during training camp, and maybe he fights for a spot. But I would rather have, you know, even if it's like I don't know, like TJ Brody or one of those guys. Like maybe you sign him for like five million a year. And, like, you at least know he's a top-four guy. Like, I'd be more comfortable with that than rolling out poor Zaboral or yet back an island in that role. Just I don't want to pay, you know, Ekman Larson eight, eight and a quarter because, I mean, I don't even know how that really changes the team, really. Because if you're, if you're letting Krug walk and you have all this free money, I don't know how, like, replacing him with a guy who's, you know, six one instead of five five nine, but also, like, an offensive guy is, like, changing what you want to do in terms of having this freedom of, of if Krug's leaving, you can kind of augment that decor a little bit too so i mean they can go in you know 25 different directions this off season but i think getting saddling yourself with a terrible contract like that for a guy that you know is a good player but i don't know if he changes what maybe you want to switch around with this roster a little bit i don't know if that really helps you that much yeah sure you got anything well actually one thought it was like yeah there's i don't think the ekman larson trade who would they even give up for Ekman Larson no idea it would take some kind of uh that's true we didn't factor that in like discount from like a people perspective to take on that contract or if you're getting uh a discount money wise on that contract it would cost a lot to get a player of that level of talent yeah it it doesn't really make much sense to me but yeah I, I mean even if you made that trade and you got, you know, they took some of the money. So instead of eight and a quarter, you're paying six and a half or something like that. Like they still clearly want guys back. You're not going to give up a guy like that for, for just complete pennies on the dollar. Yeah. But I mean, Arizona one doesn't even have a second round pick and a first round pick next year because of them messing up the, uh, 
the conditioning or whatever they did yeah. to violate <laughs> the thing that nobody knows that they did wrong apparently yeah, yeah. The, but we know it was definitely wrong um For so sure. i mean they they definitely want draft capital back but Again, it's like, is Arizona want you? To, are they going to ask for a first rounder for a guy when you want to take that contract? I doubt it. Also, I don't think the Bruins want to give up a first rounder unless it's, you know, you're getting a surefire guy. Like the Bruins don't like giving up these first round picks. Like when they traded one for Rick Nash, Don Sweeney spent like the entire offseason trying to get a pick back for the yeah. 2018 draft. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're not doing tra- they're not doing trade with. Well, and didn't they get rid of one to uh, get rid of Bax's contract? Yeah, exactly. So in that one, you know, they they you know. They factored and kind of weighed that by the fact they thought they were going to get a guy like Kasha back who was going to break through. And I still think Kasha's a good player, but again, I don't I, know. I, he's, I, I don't think he's a good trade. I'll, I'll defend that trade. Yeah. And again, it's one where, again, maybe, you know, he breaks through next year, but I think when you look at just what the window for this team is and like the opportunity and the kind of the urgency you have, you know, if you roll out the same exact crew next year, just hoping that Kasha's going to break through and Bjork's going to take a huge step forward and Stanika is. You know, going to be a, a 40, 40 point score as a rookie. Like that'd be great. That'd be awesome. But considering what your window is, if the Bruins had another three, four years and Bergeron was thirty one, then maybe you could take another step and just seeing if you guys break through again. But you don't really have that that luxury now, just in terms of kind of the age of this group. And and even if you do bank on all those and they all somehow hit, I, like you're an injury away from you know starting a wheel falling off the wagon anyway. So it's like you're really. You're better off having those guys as the insurance than as as the main policy, as long as you're not overspending on a guy like Heckman Larson. Yeah. Yeah. So Connor, you said something I really liked when you were talking about, uh, I guess the second and third lines, and and using players like Kasha and Stanika on that third line to maybe give them some some confidence. And it's not like that third line is not going to be handed minutes because Charlie Coyle is a well-established center. That is good depth down the middle. So if you have guys like Kasha and Sanika on that third line, if you depending on who they add on that second line, like that could potentially be a line that usurps the Krejci line as as he ages or as whatever happens over the next couple of years. So yeah, I mean that's that's a good point, and I I think that's like a high upside plan to have is just adding somebody on that second line, maybe who can solidify the top six. Yeah, and you also just don't know what's going to happen after next year, where, especially with David Krejci, like, I think a lot of people were expecting that Krejci's contract was going to go up, and he was going to either go back to the Czech Republic, or just, like, maybe, you know, hang it up, like, he mentioned a few times, like, this was way back in, like, I want to say, like, 2016, 20, you know, something around then, but, like, he was going to be done, you know, in North America, at least playing hockey after that contract, but then we've talked to him recently, he's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'll keep on playing. It's like, all right, well, you know, I'm looking at like the way like the, you know, I've been on cap friendly looking at him. Like, all right, well, what's he going to be one? What's he going to be worth? And, you know, how do they kind of factor him in? Because I think the ideal plan for the Bruins is, you know, you just, you know, slot up coil and Sonico will be able to run that third line by then and go from there. But again, I also think you need to, you know, one, keep coil at, at center, which I, I think's, uh, clear cut thing now. I think Absolutely, you know yeah. they did bring him up now, but every time they do, it just seems like it takes away from kind of his strength and his comfort factor of just being down the middle, and being penciled into that role. But I was thinking you need to give him a more consistent, maybe even skilled group of guys because if you know Tari Coyle, you know what you're going to get from him. But when you're 
stuck in a, a situation he was this year where he's got just a carousel of guys around him. Yeah. Guys who maybe aren't best suited to kind of what fits his, his style of game. I mean, you watch that game five against Tampa Bay where that was, I think, one of the best games that him and that whole line put together, that new line with him and Bjork and Stanika. Like, those aren't big dudes, right? Like, I think, you know, the Bruins were looking at trying to get, like, bigger guys like Nick Ritchie with him. It's like, no, I think... Charlie Coyle does well when, like, one, we all know he holds on to the puck. Like, you can't knock the puck off of him. And I think when you have some of these smaller skill guys that play with him and just open up the ice a little bit more, he generally finds them. Like, it it seems like it's – you always see when, like, he's with these kind of more skilled guys. So, again, if you get a guy and you you bump Kasha down or or something like that. Kasha, another guy who you just can't take the puck from and who takes the puck from everybody else. I feel like that would be a great match. Yeah. He's just – he needs to start burying those chances because he had, like, eight – he had, like – five short goals during that that playoff run and then he just like sucked in game five against Tampa that was like the worst game I think he played was he was just out of gas by that point against the Tampa series but yeah I think you got to put more skilled guys to him and I think just getting one surefire top six guy um you know is a, a good problem to have in terms of just dealing with kind of that glut of other guys you have to push further down the lineup right because you know you bring in a, you know, a legitimate top six guy, everyone freaks out, like, oh, what are you going to do? Because you got to get Stanika in there. It's like, well, it's a good problem to have. Like, yeah. you know, it's if you're dealing with, you know, Kasha and Bjork and Stanika. You're also pretending like injuries aren't ever going to happen in a sport yeah, that involves, so, yeah. like, car crashes every day. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and also, I mean, the fact that also if you're trying to trade for a top six guy, you're also going to have to give to get. So if yeah. it's Bjork or a guy like that, like that also could, uh, you know, solve a, a lineup kind of log jam a little bit. But... I mean, they get a whole bunch of options, but it seems like you just the biggest key to the puzzle is just getting a more surefire guy somewhere up in that top six. I do really like what Chris said too about if you can get a you know maybe a veteran, but you know I, I would assume probably you're not getting somebody super young. Maybe we're wrong here, but to, to plug into that top six and move some of the younger guys like it's Bjork, if it's somebody you're not going to give up, or uh, your Studnika even I guess would probably be further down, but giving him giving Charlie Coyle an opportunity to have some regular line mates that not only for the course of the season, but over the course of the next couple of years, I mean... We don't want him to turn into David Craig. <coughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah we don't need, we don't need that. that again. But but really having that opportunity where you kind of are setting him up to, like Chris said, usurp the Krejci line as the second line down the road. And, I mean, look at, you know what I mean? Like, look at, obviously this is an extreme example, but... You keep somebody like Bergeron and Marchand together for that long, they develop chemistry that you're not going to get over the course of one season. Even if it's just one guy, you don't have to keep all three guys together and you know, rarely do third lines stick together for that long. But if you have at least one winger who you can develop chemistry with over the course of more than a season, that really sets you up for success down the road in the future too. So I like the game plan. It's just a matter of whether or not they can you know, find the puzzle piece that actually fits to make that work. Yeah, and Connor, especially something you mentioned, uh, free agency. Free agency can be so dangerous because yeah. everyone gets overpaid, and pretty much any time the Bruins have engaged in free agency over the past decade has uh, not every single time because it's it's worked out in a few cases. But they've done better with usually, trading. Usually, it's in the case where they just get lucky on a flyer, whether whether it's a, a young guy who just hasn't worked out somewhere else, or if it's like a Jerome McGinley like kind of player who's just like an older guy who's looking for one year or something like that. Like that's that's kind of your safe zone free agency wise. But guys who are in their like twenty eight, twenty nine area, and that's the thing that happens a lot because of how bridge contracts work and NHL contracts are just so backwards. But um, 
overpaying somebody for their thirties based on what they've already done is always a dangerous proposition. Yeah. I mean, you can, it's, you know, the Bruins have had a good track record with getting like bottom six guys. Like, hell yeah. Like Riley Nash, like great signing. Like, but also it's great signing. Cause if he didn't pan out, you only paid him $700,000 a year. <laughs> right. Like, so it works out then if, you know, I, people were talking about after the, the blues announced they weren't gonna, you know, that they were going to let Petrangelo go to the market. People are like, Oh, the Bruins could be interested. I'm like, I don't fucking know how they're going to do that. Cause he wants like as much money as Roman Yossi. And if you're already freaked out about Ekman Larson, like, listen, like Petrangelo is a fantastic defenseman. Like he's still, he's probably still going to be a very, very good defenseman for three, four years of that contract. But the Bruins aren't signing a dude like him for seven years at nine and a half million dollars. Yeah. Like when you look at the way this roster is, he's also a right shot defenseman, which no one's paying attention to. Yeah. He wouldn't fit unless you want like, you know, you're you're gonna trade Kahlo for a, a top six guy, but even then you're you know replacing a a key cog in your defense with a guy who's thirty going into next year. So I think you look at some other areas for the Bruins, like you know even Mike Hoffman's a guy you talk about a lot. Which again, you look at the baseline numbers, like oh yeah, the guy's got a f- nasty shot. Like he's probably gonna score twenty five goals the next three four years with the team, but he's also thirty, gonna be thirty one in November, and like he's so horrible defensively that like he actually is hurting his teams like Florida's not a very good team anyway and like he hurts them when he's on the ice because he's so friggin' bad defensively so and again he's he's gonna be a guy you look at those numbers some team's gonna give him five and a half six million dollars a year yeah yeah not to not to beat the drum on Danton Heinen or anything but that's what <laughs> one of those things that like people who watch the game and are like oh this guy can't finish he never scores but like He's not hurting you defensively, and he's very positive on the defensive end. So, I mean, I'm not saying, like, never trade a guy like Danton Heinen, but, like, don't get fucking Nick Ritchie on yeah. the way back. I was, I was like, when that trade went through, I was like, you know, I'm pretty bummed, though, because, like, Danton Heinen's, like, an analytics, like, darling. You know, he's a great dude to, like, you know, br- drop the numbers on people. Like, oh, yeah, well, have you seen, like, what his goals against per 60 is? Like, just drop that. And, like, usually <laughs> usually people on Twitter be like... How do you like that? Yeah, people on, Twitter, people on Twitter will just be like... Oh, yeah, you're right. Even though, like I, they don't really know what you even said, and like they don't even know what the stat is, but they're like, ah, yeah, you're right. I guess I, I'll, I'll stop. But then like you get Nick Ritchie, who then you like people look up the YouTube videos of him like knocking out people, and you get excited, oh. and then <laughs> big tough hockey man win game, yeah. And then you look at the stats, and then like you know he was like third in the NHL in like penalty minutes per sixty, something like that. I'm like, and I was like, yeah, I was like, hmm. This might be a problem down the road, and what do you know? What do you know? What happens? <laughs> you know, it was kind of a problem, like in the moment where it mattered. <laughs> yeah. So shocking, you can't kind of forecast these things when you just look at the numbers. At, at most of Bruins fans, yeah. just look at the numbers, guys. Shit. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> the numbers don't work, as we've proven with the Tugarask argument. The, the numbers do not matter. It's all about the uh, the old eye test and the armchair. The GMs heart and the there, grit. So. The heart and the grit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh and, and I'm what saying all the right things in interviews. Yeah, and no, I'm surprised sure we haven't talked about bringing in Milan Lucic to plug back into the first line, uh, not the second line, the first line. I yeah. mean, Wayne Simmons is a free agent too, so get ready for that. So, <laughs> oh god, oh yeah. man, he did just have a like strangely weird uh, shocker, weirdly good playoff uh, run with the Flames, but yeah, uh, not interested. So Drysaitel won the heart. Is anyone surprised? No. <laughs> I I thought Panarin had a slight chance, but I could see why. I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, yeah. Price Idol was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It helped to do that when McDavid was out. He just went batshit yeah. for a couple of weeks. So. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they People had already announced that. When... that... 
Jarsidal had won it, so yeah, some like so, Finnish le- like Finnish website <laughs> leaked it. It's always the Finns. It's always the Finns who fucking Scandinavian. <laughs> Just kidding. I would love. Yeah, to I'm, a, right I'm a big Jarsidal guy, so I uh, when I'm, when it comes to shit like that, do not care about defense. Just give me all the points. Well, when he scores as many as he did, I'll you know I'm all I will preach a two way player till I die. I'll die on that fucking hill. But you give me as many points as Dry Settler gives you, and I'm not complaining for sure. <laughs> yeah. Any? Uh, do we want to cover? Do we want to cover uh, Bruins goaltending for next year? I know we're like riding with the same two guys, but there's a lot of conversation around like, does Tuka Rask want to be there? I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, I don't know if it's a wasted conversation because I feel like we're all going to say the exact same thing, but I think anybody who doesn't think that Tuka Rass is starting for the Bruins next year is fucking insane. I've had people who don't watch hockey at all be like, dude, I don't know, I don't think Tuka's coming back next year. I heard he doesn't want to play anymore and fucking, he doesn't like the team these days. All fucking, you know, so Jeremy Roenick told me he's never playing another game in a Bruins jersey, so... I listened to the Boston's Woods radio for from 2 to 6 today, oh, and my sorry. opinion's been nice. Why did you do that? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> was that I sum it up pretty much right there? I feel like that was... Yeah, I mean, barring is something where, you know, another maybe, you know, family development or something, which is his right if if it's a situation like that it goes beyond sports. Then, yeah, of course. Obviously, but I, you know, expect him to be back, and you expect to roll out the same two goalies who I think have been, you know, arguably one of the best, you know, uh, you know, tandem in the NHL the last two years, and I don't expect like them to be a, a sudden drop off or anything like that. And I think you look at what the Bruins, you know, the people who are like, oh, they should, you know, get rid of Rask, which is easier said than done, and you know, sign, you know, you take your pick, like Robin Leonard or. Max Turner, one of these guys. It's like, all right, well, you're just making an already off season where you're going to be busy looking for Tory Krug's replacement, looking for a top six guy, you know, f- settling how you're going to go forward with this flat cap. You're making your off season that much hotter for yourself by getting rid of your Vesna Trophy finalist goalie and looking for another one to replace him. And and then you know, if you don't get another guy on the market, what are you going to bring in Dan Vladar as your your backup, who I think is a, a good young goalie, but also like. You also let him out to dry against the Tampa Bay Lightning, like, and I he think he was overmatched. Yeah. yeah, and it's like big time. Yeah, I, I, you just look at like their their plan, and who knows what happens after next year when both Rask and Halak are free agents. But you bring back that duo next year, you're all set. You don't Swayman. have to worry. Yeah, you like don't have to worry about Team Swayman, hundred percent. Yeah, and so like hashtag Swayway. You go through next year, you got these two guys up in the NHL you don't have to worry about, and what happens when they're up there, you get Vladar and Swimming both battling for minutes together. Like, the Bruins always preach, you hear at every training camp about, you know, how much they preach this internal competition. Well, you got your two best goalie prospects both finally on the same team, finally going at it, you know, competing for those valuable minutes. So it's a best-case scenario there. So it seems like a pretty cut-and-dry, easy decision as opposed to let's trade Rask and scour the free agent market. You know, it's like, well, how does that help? Bruins already have a bunch of other shit to deal with this offseason. Like, don't make it more hard on yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys, I have a random toss in here to put away from okay. the Bruins for a sec. Uh, my aforementioned buddy, shout out my good friend Jack Ognesty. Uh We have a little group chat with hockey friends and stuff. He says uh, he's a Stars fan. 
says he's getting average Joe's versus Globo Gym vibes in this Stanley Cup final series, and I think that's a really good way to describe this Stanley Cup final, obviously, with the Dallas Stars being average Joe's and uh, the Tampa Lightning being Globo Gym. <laughs> so, Connor, I'm going to put you on the spot for a sec. If you've seen Dodgeball before, you know that average Joe's completes a pretty remarkable comeback and does, in fact, beat Globo Gym. And the Purple Cobras. Spoilers. For, uh, yeah, sorry, I should have, I'll have to put a spoiler alert in the comment. If you haven't seen Dodgeball yet, it, your The fault. movie came out in, like, 04. Like, you have no reason to <laughs> put a spoiler tag anymore. Connor, uh, will the average Joes of this series be able to defeat Globo Jim and hoist Lord Stanley's Cup? Or will the Big Bad Tampa Bay Lightning finally have their year? Well, I think it also depend on if Tampa Bay gets their Franz Telenoskovich back Very in Steven Stamkos. Which we will find out uh, soon. Yeah. For tonight. Yes. Mean, we're recording an hour before the game because we like doing this to ourselves. But um, has anybody heard about tonight? I don't know if he's playing. I know he was John, I, I didn't hear anything else. Yeah. John Cooper likes to do the uh, wait and see, which I, as a media person, I love. Yeah. It's really fun, right? <laughs> No, I mean, it's not like you guys are, like, rushing to begin with at all, right? I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> Which, so. Again, like, thank God that uh, Bruce Cassidy just will tell us it on the spot every time. So, <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Bruce. But, um, no, I mean, I think, again, <laughs> it's tough when you, like, are sizing up these teams because Tampa should win. But Dallas, the way they're playing now and, like, you know, just the way their defense is built and, and I think if you play Tampa Bay physical and you keep these guys to the outside, which happened to the Bruins, you know, it happened yep. last year with Columbus, you know, Dallas has the personnel to do that. So, you know, I think it maybe is the new trendy thing is just to say Dallas, but I think Dallas could win it in, in seven because I just think, you know, they've had a lot of puck luck go their way in terms of some of these guys bearing these chances. But also don't forget Dallas Sagan's also like in a, the coldest streak since the 2013 playoffs. So, mm-hmm. um <laughs> But, you know, if all it takes is for him to break through, and you already got the defense and the goaltending right now, all you need is a guy like him to, you know, join this kind of parade of, you know, goal-scoring contributors they've gotten, and all of a sudden you're, you're on a roll, yeah. so. And at the end of the day, you're talking about three games of hockey. It's nine periods, or less. You don't even have to win nine periods, as the Dallas Stars have shown. They're very capable of losing six out of eight, but making the other two really count, so. <laughs> lest, lest we forget that uh, Michel uh, barkley Goodrow. Uh, Laser, uh, Blake Coleman, and and Blaze and Blazer is Blazer. Uh, I assume Victor Hedman. Uh, those guys all choked in the finals, so can't win the big uh, game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> so they're all trash. Then he, then he Chuck Norris to send in an offside review. <laughs> the game, the game seven. So oh. it'd be like a. It'd be like the skate in the crease thing uh, with Brett Hall. Mm-hmm. And being... <laughs> uh, Drew, questions? You want to fire up the rest? Have you still got them pulled up? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I did have them pulled up. Okay, I do. <laughs> yes, he says no. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Court Lalone asked, why is Chris the best host on the show? Um I don't oh, know. It's a terrible podcast. Address this. I've never, I've never claimed this, so I'll let you. It's just because it's that. a bad podcast. It's not a, it's not a showing on. <laughs> it's not any good showing for Chris. It's just I'm not, I'm not elevating. Yeah, the podcast. no, no, no. no. <laughs> it's not that Chris is doing well. It's just that Drew and I are here. So uh. it's just because like uh, Chris is older. That's the only. That's the only reason. Yeah, I have more experience. You know, when you're like a little kid life. and anybody older seems like the the smartest person. Yeah, that's it. Um. 
And then uh, Sean L, just at BDL in MA. BDL in Massachusetts is, uh, I don't know, maybe that's, uh, I don't know. Anyway, he asked, <laughs> Sean L, uh, will a beer ever be less than $10 again at the Garden? No. <laughs> no. Uh, it would have to be some kind of promotion, and why would they do that when they d- sell out Bruins games? So, I mean, especially when they're not going to have fans in the stands for yeah. a good portion of next year. When they come back, it's going to be like, you know, uh, Rebel IPAs for like 25 bucks. Get ready. <laughs> PBR for 35. <laughs> 12 ounces, baby. <laughs> Suck it. Well, it's, it's, it's going to be a 25 ounce or the extra ounce for. Uh, and now it's a dollar. Like an extra five bucks or whatever. <laughs> That's why uh, you got to do what my cousin does, which is uh, sneak a sleeve of uh, of Red Bull nips into the game. So that's when when that question came through, the first thing I thought of was like, yeah, you just got to get more creative with your methods of getting <clears throat> for beers sure. into the garden. Yeah, yeah nips are the way. <laughs> which we don't get. Carter, you sneak it into the press box? No. <laughs> He's just up there crushing them. <laughs> they give us they give us free popcorn and like Swedish fish, so Hell yeah. that, that's, that's, that's <laughs> you don't need any more than that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. You kidding me? <laughs> Basically a movie. Uh, Rask finished less. second in the Vesna. Yeah. I assume. Hell- Hellebuck won, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Alright, that's okay. That's oh, fine. Wow. Then, yeah. got... <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Char got fifth place vote for the Norris for, for the Vesna. I mean, yeah, for the Vesna. <laughs> yeah, you know all those, all those, all those saves. He, he did, maybe he did Michael make a save for the Norris. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it as a tweet, but I don't know who the hell the guy was that tweeted. It. Who the fuck voted for Char? I, I believe it. Some of those votes are like ridiculous. There's just like there's like eighty year old Bruins writers who just like put whoever like I don't know. There was one I saw where it was like for the Selkie, and it was I think like second second place was like Jonathan Taze, and third was Andre Kopitar. And I was like, are you playing like fucking NHL thirteen before you voted? Like, I mean, they're both great players still. Like, you give them credit, but like they weren't like the favorites this year. It's like you had like a set group. Like, you knew Bergeron was gonna be in it. Like you know, Couturier, Nick Ritchie, uh, Sorelli. Yeah, <laughs> Nick Ritchie, of course. Yeah. yeah. It's like. Come on. And, like, Sorelli was your outside guy. Yeah, he, he was, like, the trendy pick who, like, it was him or uh, there was a few other guys. But, like, you had, like, I the mean, Mark, group. Mark Stone would have been cool to see. I think Mark Stone deserves a Selkie at some point, especially since the no winger has won in, what, like, 20 years or some shit like that? I, Mark Stone, like, is always the guy that, when I point out, like, the fact that the Bruins just haven't, like, fully completely gone for it is like Mark Stone's the the guy I look at last year of like mm-hmm. you know they they balked it they balked it trading for him and I mean granted like you don't want to you don't want to hammer the Bruins for what they did last year because they still got Coil and you know Hanson and clearly it worked out great but you look at you know they don't they don't get Stone they don't think like it's worth giving up for the guy and leading up to it you're hearing like oh Ottawa doesn't you know they're asking for a, a fortune from him and then like you look at the trade that they got from Vegas and it's like all right, it was like a second round pick, a dude who I think is in the KHL right now. Yeah. Not like not like, you know, like a 21-year-old like guy who's like lighting it up and he's going to the end. I think he like is has willingly decided to go play in Russia, which is never I think he I think he was like their number one pick in the in the expansion draft. Yeah. Yeah, like a guy who's I don't think he's coming back. And then they got um Banstrom, right? I think or Benstrom. 
this there's like two guys with very similar last names, yeah. but uh, the the Swedish younger defenseman who was solid for Ottawa this year, but like he also had like a bunch of games in the AHL, like not like a slam dunk guy. It's like all right, that was this crazy. This was, that was the crazy return you got from Max Stone, who's like maybe the most underrated guy in the league. It's like, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't Rasmus Dahlin. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, which would be like typical like Ottawa moves. Like we just sent in the wrong paperwork. <laughs> like fuck, <laughs> spelling error. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think that's the Bruins' biggest problem when they're trying. They've been trying to fill that slot in the second line for almost a decade, and they just don't. They don't go all in. They try to find a way, the cheap option that might work out. And they, I wouldn't have been mad at a Chris Kreider trade. Go all the same. I mean, look at Game Seven last year against the Cup Final. Like, who was your who was your second line wing? It was Carson Kuhlman. Like, listen, Carson Kuhlman had a you know tries hot. You know, he's hard working guy. He'd be a great you know. If you want to put him on the fourth line, yeah, fourth line guy, like he fits in well, and like had He's that had that great goal. Toronto part two. Yeah, had that great goal in, in game six, but like, dude, like that's like just an indictment on the way that team went last year. It's like you finish sixty minutes short, and your second line guy, after not finding anyone to play with Krejci that entire year, was was Carson Kuhlman. <laughs> that entire decade, really. <laughs> yeah, I think Mark Stone would have helped you out there a little bit. I don't think you even go to a seven games if you have Mark Stone out there. So. Yeah, and this again. You look at this offseason. It's like you can't keep on doing these like half measures. You know, it's like Breaking Bad, where it's like you no know more half measures. You gotta like just go for it. Like even if it's a first round pick next year, you know what? You still got like guys further down the pipeline. Like you got you still have a McAvoy and Pasternak and these guys you can build up next couple of years. Like if you are serious about making a run, mm-hmm. then like you have to give up. You have to give to get. So I mean, we'll see what they do. They again. I've said it like four times, but they can go in 50 different ways in this offseason. So it's going to be fascinating. It's definitely a big, uh, I would say one of the bigger offseasons we've had the last couple of years as far as just determining where the team goes over the next few. You know, not even just where next season's implications, but just trying to really finding out where they decide they are in or- as an organization and whether they want to just really fucking go for it and try to bank on this 2011 core, really, or whether they do kind of look a little bit more toward the future and. Maybe let a guy like Crew walk and not replace him with a big name right away, or something like that. And it's also the shortest offseason, probably. Well, maybe. I mean, we don't really know, I guess, at this point. We really have no clue, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, th- deep three-pointer here. Connor, are you, a, uh, are you a Premier League guy at all? I am not. Every time I get around to the, the season starting, I'm like, this is gonna be the year. Yeah, and I was gonna, that was my thing this year. And then I saw that they actually have already started playing, and I was like, "Oh, well, shit! All right, well." <laughs> to be fair, they did just start, but that's kind of how I am with the NBA every year. I just had a random thought earlier. I guess maybe Chris can give his thought quick, but I just like I like Buffalo Sabers and Everton are the same team. I think <laughs> I wanted to get somebody else's thoughts every, on that. Every every year is the year, and not <laughs> even just that, but there's constantly rebuilding. Like good, no, this, like this some is the young year guys, that, like, the rebuild works. Yeah, some young guys where you're like, this could be the year, and they're just absolute dog shit. And then we're like, all right, we're just gonna rebuild again for next year, and it's just like, yeah. Let me clarify. I didn't mean every year is the year that they're finally gonna be. Yeah, good. every year is like the year they think they will. Like <laughs> it's it's the year that like, especially the Sabers, it's just like the constant man, dark horse. The, like yeah. they might be like a playoff team this year. <laughs> I'm not, like, or like honestly, to, to, for me, the Sabers are like they might be a playoff team next year. It's not even this year. I'm never like this is the year they're making the playoffs. But I'm always like, oh, 
after this season, depending on, you know what I mean? Like, next year, they make a couple moves, they're there. And I'm clearly, they think they are, because yeah. they, did, they did the weird, they keep doing the weird move where they're signing and trading for, yeah. like, 32 to 35-year-old players who are definitely past their prime, but... I think Buffalo's doing the the theory of like positive visual visualization <laughs> yeah, because I think they're sure. doing they're just hoping that they're going to keep Eichel happy enough that he doesn't lose his shit, which is going to be coming up very soon. So, because I mean, you know what's going to happen this upcoming year? Whenever the league cap, whenever the season starts, it's going to be another like eleven and one stretch in like the first two months of the season. Like, ah, oh, this yeah. is the year they all put it <laughs> yeah. together, and then it all goes to shit. So. And then Jack Eichel's coming to the Bruins because, you know, he's went to BU. So, yeah, obviously, Boston guy. big Boston guy. It's a lock. Don't even have to really get him penciled in for two years from now. Because we, we all know every good Boston player has always played in yeah. Boston. Yeah, for sure. Which I'm sure he would I'm – sure I'm sure Jack, the pride of North Chelmsford, would love to come here. However, if Buffalo is smart, you give up McAvoy and then five first-round picks. So Yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, I, you know, I'm sure as much as he loves Boston, he might love the, uh, the millions and millions he can make elsewhere and not get paid $5 million as a top-line center or something, you know. <laughs> but it would be nice. Right, well, I guess we can well, dream. Well, Cam, Cam stole my uh, – I mean, I wasn't going to say shot in the dark, but a wild assumption that you, you are a uh, Celtics and Pats guy. Of course, yes. 100%. Uh, thoughts on the uh, Pats game last night? Uh, I think you have to be encouraged. Uh, I think people going into this, I don't even know what people were expecting from the season anyway. So the fact that you go down to the wire with a team like Seattle, who I think people think is very legit. Um, you know, I don't know how... Again, it sucks. I mean, no, no shit. Like, it sucks you lose on the, the one-yard line. Like, no shit. But I kind of look... It reminds me a little bit of that that 2012 game against the Niners where that Niners team was nasty and they came back and I think that that game was at Gillette, but the Patriots came up just short there, but it's when you leave kind of, you can leave with a lot of positives from that game. I mean, Cam Newton looks great. I think people were concerned that it was just going to be a, a run heavy offense, you know, going from what you saw against the Dolphins. I mean, so you can still air it out. So I have no problem with it. Again, that defense, your defense gets torched, but some of those throws were just absurd. It's like some, yeah, I mean, it's Russell Wilson. He might be the MVP of the league. Yeah, no, he's like completing like eighty-five percent of his passes. Like it's, it's like when you give up like a goal to like McDavid. Like I think the Bruins played Edmonton this year at the Garden. I think he like he did like an N ten goal, and everyone's just like, yeah. Everyone stood up and cheered. They were like, holy fuck, he's McDavid. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, you like it's like a schedule thing. It's like when you play like Jordan or like LeBron. It's like all right, he's penciled in for twenty five and like ten. So you just gotta accept it and you you build off. Yeah, you're playing so. with a handicap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think David it's, it's might be the only player in the league where if I watched him score at a Bruins game, I would like smile and be like, "Yo, that was fucking awesome!" Like I'm so happy that happened. Like I can't think of any other player in the league where I wouldn't be like, "Ah, well, that was cool," but damn. Like, I think McDavid, I would be pretty th- – like, I'd be like, all right, I hope we get a couple goals with Bergeron tonight, and I want McDavid just go top cheese after busting through the whole defense six times. Like, I, I think I think that was the mood up in the press box when we scored because it was, like, really early in the game. And I was – I like, the whole press box was like, yeah, that's about right. All right, well, we'll check that off. Like, <laughs> McDavid had his one goal, but they don't do it again. But we, we knew this. You already had it in the post-game story. It was just you had to fill in the time. <laughs> like <laughs> – yeah, I'm a little. I'm a little sad. Uh, I mean, I'm very sad that the Oilers didn't make it further. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just because, uh, I mean, I, I think there are very few Bruins fans who watched more Oilers games than I did this year, 
and like I just don't think people realize how dangerous he is even when he's not scoring it's just like how much every time he touches the puck he's just like it looks so dangerous like I don't want to play mm. against this guy but then their defense absolutely sucks and he just it's it's a fucking shootout how much do you think like being in Edmonton actually hurts the Oilers like because it's just I feel like it's not a place that many you know what I mean like people want to go no free agents are gonna that's the thing like realistic you know what I mean like as as excited I want to be excited about Edmonton but I just like and you know all the first overall picks and having McDavid now and like and a guy like Dreisaitl who just won the heart and you know we, we talked about him earlier I guess but we're not even mentioning him in the McDavid conversation is like there, if they could just recruit free agents. <laughs> well, that's their selling point now. Is is want to play with Drysaddle like, yeah, and yeah, Connor actually, McDavid? You know what I mean? yeah, like, play, play on the wing of either of these heart winners. Yeah, like I'd score thirty fucking points with Drysaddle, like or McDavid. You know what I mean? Like, oh uh, yeah. Uh, my Rams did well. Nick Bosa tore his ACL. That's kind of shitty though. Damn. Yeah, the Niners in general, just fucking tough Sunday for them. Nick Bosa, notoriously terrible human being, so I'm not going to wish injury on anybody, but I'm not broken up about it. (laughs) That's fair. Saquon going down was a toughie. R.I.P. to all the fantasy owners. This is the first year. Chris McCaffrey out for a few weeks, too. First season in a couple years that I, I actually haven't played fantasy football. Damn, pour one Connor, out. you got a cool name for your fans. I'll pour out this or? fucking pumpkin beer because I hate uh, it. So I, I'm not a big, like, pun guy. A lot of people go with the puns, and I hate yep. those. So I just go, my tried and true is the blouses in honor of uh, Dave Chappelle. Shame. I like it. Blouses. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it's just, like, the picture is just him, like, hanging after he's, like, already not hanging off. It's just clearly the wire is in the back of him to yeah. the hoop. That, that's my go-to, so. Nice. Yeah, our, uh, my college buddies fantasy basketball league like our divisions are named after things from that episode so <laughs> it's lake minnetonka computer blue just i like it oh all right anything else i don't know i'm trying to think of what else we uh we got the fire at connor here but anybody anybody got anything well celtics oh yeah how do you true. feel about that series Intrigued, stressed out. Uh, Miami team's damn good. Uh, I mean, we'll see how they do going forward because I like that they went with. Uh, it's really an interesting strategy the uh, the Celtics uh, rolled out in the last game where, when you put your five best guys on the court at the same time, it usually works out really well for them. So the fact <laughs> that they finally put like yeah they put they went all small and went with Hayward with like Kemba and Smart. Brown and Tatum it worked out great for them. It's like wow, I, I think they only played that like rotation like like twelve games during the regular season. It's like oh, you should probably do that more often. It seemed like it worked out really well for you guys in the last game. So, um, but I mean, no, that that's gonna be a legit series because I mean that that Miami team's tough. Like they're every they're like the anti Clippers, where it's like they got just a bunch of <laughs> random ass dudes, but they play their ass off. And like Jimmy Butler, I'm sick and tired of the Jimmy Butler slander compared to like Paul George. Like I'll take Jimmy Butler. Like his oh, yeah. scrappy ass over Paul George every single day of the week. Like I love Jimmy Butler, so I, I love all of the like backstory and shit of just him, like and, and all those like weird practices in Minnesota where he's just like 
no one likes him because he just wants to be competitive all the time. I'll take that guy on my team any day. That's a good thing to have, yeah. <laughs> and Jimmy Butler setting his own coffee shop down in the bubble. It's like, this is why, like, uh, the NBA, I, I watch, like, you know, it's tough to watching, like, the NBA and the Celtics when the NHL season's going on because, like, it seems like the games are always scheduled together. But now that, like, the Bruins are out, like, the one positive I can, like, soak in just how much I missed, like, following the NBA as much because, like, the stories coming out of the bubble in the NBA are, like, 500 times better than anything in the NHL. Like, there's nothing ever interesting from, like, them. It's like, I talked to DeBrusque for a Zoom call once, and I was like, what do you guys think of it? Is there anything that maybe you were surprised about? And he's like, oh, no, it's uh, they've done a good job. I was like, shit. All right, well. Yeah, was, you know, pucks the pucks in that full 60. Uh, can, I, can I quote you on that? Yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, well, I tried. I tried, guys. I thought I was going to get something good, but. No, all right. <laughs> I got I'm running out I'm out I don't know I got nothing I'm uh, yeah I'm good uh, we just gotta we just gotta sing and there's only uh-huh. one song appropriate for this day alright Connor we have a tradition of singing out <laughs> in case you're confused here you're welcome to join you can, you can <laughs> yeah. join if you want I don't, I don't think I don't think I'll join in on singing because I don't want you guys to lose followers but <laughs> oh no we do anyway it's kind of the point we've already been losing yeah it's like it's alright <laughs> nobody makes it this far anyway it's fine <laughs> uh, well I guess beforehand Connor thanks so much for coming on man it was a pleasure to have you definitely one of the uh more knowledgeable guests we've had and uh also jumped right in on the the beer scale the new beer scale uh, feel free, p- please spread the word. You know we're trying to make this a global thing, so uh, not about the podcast. Just I, the I, I knew what to. I knew what to expect. So, <laughs> uh, anything you want to plug? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just you know, we're, we have a whole bunch of stuff over at uh, our site, Boston Sports Journal. Um, plan on having you know a new story pretty much every day during however long this off season is. So, uh, you know, we took we took a look at kind of what to expect from the new season. It was our post today, and I think we're gonna look at. Maybe Jackson Nika tomorrow and how he could impact this team. So, again, we're probably going to have daily stuff up all the way until they tell us that training camp will be open up again. So, uh, you can follow me at bostonsportsjournal.com and subscribe there. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan. It's Connor with one N, uh, underscore 93. Awesome. We'll have you uh, tagged, obviously, in our, uh, our posts and stuff as well. So, you can click right through there. So Sounds good. Well, thank you guys for having me, too. Hey, anytime yeah. you want to come back, man. Pleasure having you. Oh, uh, but so before we as we're oh. as we're recording, it is the twenty first night of September. Well, I before before we end, I have oh, one true. thing to add. What's that? Okay. Um, I looked up my uh, my fantasy hockey teams. Um, I think they're actually <laughs> from no, I think they're from last season. Anyway, one was Burroughs bit my finger. Um, and the other nice. one was Tuka Dump. <laughs> Topical reference. So yeah. What was the second one? Well, insert a laugh track there. <laughs> Wait, what was the second one? I didn't hear it. Tuka Dump. <laughs> just, I hate that, and I'm going to probably steal it for next year. So. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to. He just has to. It's like, yeah, like it's like, oh, I, I hate this. As I write it in my notes for next year. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking car crash. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, so do you guys remember? I don't know how it starts, though. The it's, 21st uh, night? Well, so the, so the lyrics of this song are just like non-existent, basically. It was the first thing I did because it came across my Twitter feed. And I was like, wow, Earth, Wind, and Fire. What a what a group of guys. <laughs> are you looking it up, Chris? It looks like you're putting it to work here. Yeah, yeah. So the chorus is, hey, 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 
Body ya, say do you remember? Body ya, dancing in September. Body ya, never was a cloudy day. <laughs> wow. Post chorus, ba do. Was that Bob Dylan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I feel like we need to hear it playing. Okay, really okay, okay, it, okay. Know? Well, the first verse, we can just do the first verse. Do you remember the 21st, 21st night of September? September. I don't know, that's all I know. Changing the changing minds, the minds of, pretenders. of pretenders. Well, chasing, well, chasing the, clouds the clouds away. Our hearts will ring it. You know all of it. Keep going, Chris. Let's go. souls singing. As we dance in the night, remember. It really loses its luster when you don't have the music track behind